Hello. Hey. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So 49 and I would like to have a discussion on uh, property rights or something else. Yeah, I mean, the original topic was, is stealing justifiable? But Sure, um, you can do that. Stealing Is stealing justifiable? Sure, yeah. Well, that, that's kind of part and parcel with property rights. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it goes. Um, so I, well, I would simply say that um, stealing is not justifiable. It's immoral. Initiating, initiation of force is not justifiable. And um, uh, I struggle to see a situation in which it is. Uh, and bear in mind that um, when we're discussing things like property rights, it applies to everyone. Every individual rights applies to every individual. Uh, property rights are part of individual rights. Um, well, so I don't agree with that, but... Um, in what sense? Rights are not, are not rights, for everyone? Well, that property rights are part of individual rights. I agree that rights are for everyone. I just don't think property rights are one of those. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so... Uh, that's fine. So I, I would I would say that it is you would say that it isn't. But yeah. I just 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 in the context of that uh if you that rights are for everyone. So if um if uh we mess around with with a right or take away or add a right, it applies to everyone. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, that rights are universal. Sure. Okay, cool. So why do you think uh dealing is justified? Well, first, I just want to say that I don't think stealing is justified in some kind of abstract sense. I think it's justified based on the conditions that we live in. Um, for example, if we lived in a true meritocracy and everyone got like exactly what they were owed, um, then I don't think I would have a problem with stealing. The issue is that under our system, people's what they have isn't directly based on, you know, what they own, what, what they are owed in a sense. People don't earn every cent that they make. I mean, that's absurd. You have things like inheritances. You have things like, you know, I mean, how can someone like, you know, Bezos or Elon Musk get as rich as they are? I mean, they didn't work. No one can labor enough in their life to make damn near $400 billion. It's just not possible. So there's something else going on that fundamentally stacks the system in a sense that this, you know, so-called evil stealing or whatever, or just stealing in general, I don't really think it's wrong to steal from someone who hasn't earned what they have. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> if, I, if I decide that you have not earned what you have, if I decide that, uh, I'm assuming you live in, in the United States? Yes. So if I decide that you won the um, the lottery by getting born in the United States and your parents, for argument's sake, let's say they're sixth generation Americans and between the different generations, uh, wealth was passed down and uh, you were born into this uh, wealth, be it uh, medium or, or, or big or small, that's that's irrelevant, but compared to you know, people in much, much poorer parts of the, the globe, 
you did not earn this money. And as a result, I think that I'm perfectly justifiable in reaching for a weapon and threatening your life to give me your property. Is that- Well, let me say this. If someone was like a poor, you know, migrant from like, you know, um, any third world country, mm-hmm. I might not like it they stole from me, but I, You'd understand. I don't I, yeah, I'd understand, and I, and I wouldn't feel comfortable condemning them or saying that they committed some heinous violation of my rights, because I don't think my right is to own things. If they, like, physically hurt me with, like, bodily harm or something, I would be mad, because I do think that's an, um, an aggression of my rights. But if they just stole from me, I don't think you have a right to own things, so I don't think my rights have really been infringed. I might not like it, but A, I would understand, and B, I wouldn't really feel like fully morally condemning it in any sense. So you don't you don't see it as a moral issue that uh, stealing that someone stole from you and and uh, took well, something see from it you as a moral issue, but I just think that I I can't morally condemn a person like that. I mean, because here's the thing: I would I would have done the same thing. You know, if I had been in that situation, I don't think I could have said, like, I'm, I'm not going to take money from someone. I don't think that that's possible to do. Yeah. Okay. And what if, uh, so let's say you are poor and I am not, and you are trying to take my property away from me. Sure. And we apparently live in a kind of situation where that's expected to some degree. Uh, because okay. we don't have we don't have property rights for argument's sake let's say in general yeah um and i say well i don't want to give you my property and i defend myself from you and as a result you get critically injured sure that's your theoretical well uh people do protect their property rights no, no, I, I know. But I, I also don't think you could condemn a person for defending themselves. I think it's possible to have a situation. That, that's fair, but what I'm trying to like kind of express is that if you have a sort of society like that, then you necessarily have a society with a high degree of violence. Um, all societies have a high degree of violence. I reject well, I, I disagree. Really? Can you name a society that has no violence? No. I said a high degree of violence, not an absence of it. Okay. So, okay. So what's a society that has, in your view, a relatively low or acceptably low amount of violence? Well, I would just say in general, uh, Western countries over the last 40 years have less and less crime, uh, less and less violent crime, fewer wars. Uh, wars in particular over the last hundred years, like with the blip of World War One and Two, um, well, not w- World War Two in this case, um, it's a hundred years have, have gone have gone down, and uh, we are living in much more peaceful times. So I don't see the benefit. Well, I don't I don't see it as a as a recipe for a good society to um, introduce this sort of system that uh, would increase the amount of violence drastically or potentially uh, increase the amount of violence drastically well 
So I disagree that that this would necessarily like. Do people really not steal because there's a moral incentive? No, it's just a law thing. So no, it's I mean, it's absolutely the the law is there, but even if it wasn't there, uh, there is like a sort of understanding that if you steal from someone, you're initiating force on them. And uh, that sort of approach between humans and even animals, some animals, um, there's a realization that they can retaliate, retaliate and you can get injured as a result. So it's sure. the moral issue to your, to your moral self. A, if you engage in this sort of behavior, you may die as a result. Therefore, it's not beneficial for you. It's not a moral thing for your own uh, values to, to do. And if you look at it from a deontological point of view, if everyone steals from everyone else, we'll have a very bad society. Um, well, I think, here's the issue, I think, is that number one, I think you can have a situation where both parties are behaving morally, even if they're at complete opposite ends of each other. Like I think in the case of someone stealing and the other person defending themselves, I would make the case that both of them are behaving morally in a sense even though their goals are opposed. I don't think that's impossible. But I also think that there is kind of this, I mean, I obviously you accept the risk that if you might try to steal from someone, it might not go right for you. But if that's what you're resorting to, you've probably already exhausted all the options. So, Well, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, if, if at all. And um, I, I, also, would I would also... Sorry, I would also just add in your example that I don't think uh, I'll I'll give you I'll give it back to you in a second. I would also say that initiation of force is immoral, and I would add unjustified in mo in in all cases. Really, Init any force being initiated, initiation of force, not retaliatory force. Initiation no, I, I, of force. I hear you. Initiation. So. Okay, that's. I mean, that's an interesting argument. I would obviously not agree with that just because I think that there are there are things that deserve a forceful response that are not themselves force. It's, okay, so here here might be an interesting question. Is force like the end all be all of bad things? Or or another way of saying that, are there bad things that don't use force that are on the same moral level? as bad things that use force. Well, I'm not exactly following where you're going, but you, you can have like a scale of things from, but from an ethical or moral standpoint, if something is immoral, you shouldn't do it. Even if it's greatly immoral or not, or, or like just a little, it's still not uh, to your benefit. Um, so if something is... Well, I mean, people do immoral things, slightly immoral things every day. It's just, you know, a cost-benefit analysis for most people. It's, you know, is, is this thing immoral enough that it isn't worth doing? And I think that that is kind of what would guide this as well, where someone might say, like, if they have a particular moral aversion to stealing, they might not do it. But if they, um, but if they don't, then they might see it as just like, um, just, I mean, just taking it like, I mean, what about stolen money makes it less, how, how is someone who's stolen money 
deserve a right to that money less so or has earned it less um less in a less responsible sense than someone who like inherited the money like how is it at least if you steal it from someone you basically earned it because you could take it from them whereas if you inherit money you didn't do shit to earn it like you literally did nothing so i don't see how you could say that stealing money is unjustifiable and you and it makes your ownership of that money illegitimate but inheriting money is it's, it's kind of a strange contradiction sorry i'm just uh, letting the dog in just give Give yeah, my dogs are kind of crazy today too. Um, so, I would say that uh, in so just a, a primer, I suppose. In general, um, morality does does play a role in your life. Uh, the idea is that um, if you if you do if you do moral things, then your life in the long term your life would be better and the things that you want to obtain you'll be successful in obtaining them so if for example you say well i i stole some money from a bank i now possess this money and uh, then like i don't know two three months later you are caught and you spend the rest of your life in prison so in the short term you 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 had that money and you were able to spend it for those for that period of time even six months that day Okay. But in the long term, it uh, didn't necessarily benefit your life. And in fact, even if, if had you not stolen it, and even if you would have lived like a more uh, average life, let's say, with, with more meek resources, you would still enjoy your life more than uh, that two, three months to six months partying and the rest of your life spent in prison without the freedom to decide on what you can do with your life. Uh, how is it? that what's the difference between someone who stole money and someone who inherited money i would say that someone who inherited money um well someone who stole money obviously they're gonna in in, in most cases get caught i i would assume and uh, lose their freedom which yeah. is undesirable uh with regards to inheriting it i mean the parents let's assume it's the parents the parents of someone worked hard all their lives let's say and uh, the, it was their wish to pass on their money to, to their kids. That, that was a very important value for them. And they wanted their children to have a better life than they had. And uh, they decided to take this course of action and pass on their, their wealth to their offspring, their children, sorry. And um, I think that's a perfectly moral thing to do. And I would state an example that uh, a lot of, let's say, Asian immigrants in America, they come in, they do these very, uh, like, manual labor kind of jobs, even if they have, like, good qualifications or something that they can't exactly translate. They scrimp and save for, for decades, and they send their kids to, to university when they had no opportunity to. And obviously, the, the kids feel like a sort of uh, guilt to, to, to do very well, but if we were to say, well, you can't pass down your wealth uh, to your children, or if you pay for their, if you pay for their uh, university where other kids didn't have 
parents who could afford it, then I think that it's equally unfair in both cases. So, okay, I mean, I don't believe that you have a right to money because you were in the lucky sperm club, if that's what you're saying. Like, I don't think that just happening to be born the son of someone with power is makes it moral that you get passed down that power. I'm very much like a, you should earn what you get type of person. I don't think that if you have a position of prominence, that it is moral for you to simply pass that on to your descendants. I think that's very immoral, actually. I think you're essentially, you're letting someone who, for instance, if you're born to a rich family, you didn't do anything. Sorry, can I, can I ask for a clarification? Because I think we've steeled off a little bit. I don't understand the concept of power entering here. Well, money is power, I think. I mean, what kind money, of power? Purchasing power? Yeah, you can buy more stuff. Well, that's pretty important. I mean, the power to not starve, the power to buy, be able to afford healthcare and medicine and shit. Like, that's well, see, I, I don't see it as so. The phrasing here is important. And I think, I think to some degree, we're steering a bit off, off track. If you say, you don't feel that it's right for someone to have access to res- more access to resources than someone else, then in that context, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, saying someone is born with more power and someone's born with less power, that's another conversation entirely. Well, I think money gives you power. I mean... Well, like- then I, I'll ask you to explain fully what you mean. And if, if it, but I, I, I want to stipulate that if it starts being a debate within a debate, then I may ask just to skip it, but go ahead. That's fine. No, no, please explain what you mean. Why money is power? I mean, if you have money, then you have the power to not worry about food insecurity. You have the power to not worry about healthcare costs. You have the power to not worry about education. You have a lot of power because usually rich people know other rich people. You have the power to talk to government people and convince them to change laws helping you out. Okay, money so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask you to stipulate that last one. Well, money is access. So if you have money, you can be, especially in America where we don't have any campaign finance laws, you can basically just buy out politicians. I mean, you is can that is that true? All your politicians are corrupt. Mm, damn near all of them. Yeah, I mean, basically every politician in America takes money from super PACs, which I would just classify as a form of legalized bribery or legalized corruption that we've had. Do you mean, do you mean donations or outright bribes? Well, here's the thing. A, okay. No one, no one is dumb enough to go up to someone, hand them a stack of bills and say, here is your money for X. Now I would like you to do X. No one's dumb enough to do that. I mean, the so-called donations are more just it's under the table, but it's implied. I mean, you know what people are saying when, for instance, you know, we, we could just give an example of um, Hillary Clinton taking money from Qatari elites. And then, oh, look at that. There was a weapons deal for Qatar with her as Secretary of State. Like, I, I think examples like this are pretty clear examples of a bribe or bribery, whether or not it's legally considered something. And I don't think legality means morality. So I don't think if something is legally considered not a bribe, 
that I have to be like, oh, I have to respect the definition and call it not a bribe. I think that's okay. I can I ask? So I'll ask you to to stipulate the following: which is more upsetting to you, the access to government officials using money, or the access to resources using money? Which is more of an issue for you? Uh, resources. Okay, so let's. Uh, it's just I just don't want to go like off a tangent because this is like a tangent that you know it, yeah, it, it is kind of a tangent. But we um, can... So let's let's put let's put the politicians to one side for a second, All right. and uh, we'll say and and I assume with regards to resources, uh, you're upset that some people don't have access to them. Yes. Okay. So let let's let's continue down this vein. Okay. Um, because the other one is just a, a very hairy topic. It is, yeah. It's a very kind of you get into tangents upon tangents, and it's kind of like. Okay, so you think because people let me just steal money position. You think because um, people don't have access, some people don't have access to certain resources or basic resources, and uh, as a result, they it is not immoral for them to steal, initiate false numbers, and take their property. Because people don't have certain resources? Yeah. Because here's the thing. I think that... Um, sorry. <laughs> I think that to a certain extent, you could make the argument that a, a poor person living in poverty and then taking that out by stealing something from a rich person, I think you could say that's self-defense. I think that poverty is violence, personally. I think that being born into a society where you find it difficult to eat, find shelter, get the medical care that you receive, all of that stuff. I think that's a form of violence. I don't see a moral distinction between the government saying that if you do X, we'll shoot you, or a businessman saying if you do X, we'll shoot you, and them basically letting you suffer. I don't think there's a moral distinction. So I think stealing, if you're in a position of extreme poverty, I think it's pretty much self-defense. Okay, so so we're saying that um, in terms of like just so I can appreciate the the context in terms of numbers, we're saying like. Uh, Sorry about my dog. Give me a second. Didn't mean to upset you, doggo. Don't hurt me, please. It's funny you say that. He's um, he's originally he like from Siberia, so maybe he's from like a gulag or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, totally. But, he doesn't. He doesn't like capitalists, though. They smell <laughs> funny. All right, um, right. So, in terms of context, like people who don't have access to to food, let's say, is relatively small. Like I, I don't think, like in America, you have an issue of food insecurity, but uh, starvation outright is relatively very very rare well we also have i think the bigger issue is more food desert at this point sure actually. i i, ex I accept uh, that included in food insecurity that you there's nothing nearby you and it's difficult to, to get access to, to food uh but in general i i would say and correct me if i'm wrong here that the americans have more an issue or much larger issue with obesity than than starvation yes yes okay. that's true so let's uh, say that let's say shelter like homes and perhaps uh you mentioned healthcare yeah okay so 
Um, with regards to homes, I, I assume like we'll take a figure of five hundred thousand, which is the homeless in America, yeah. Um, yeah. And bearing in mind, America has like three hundred and twenty-eight million, yeah, people currently. Mm-hmm. Well, let me with- check. I actually, I'm not familiar with. But I'll let you check. I'll let you check in the background. Right off the top of my head, I just want to. With regards to healthcare, I know that's more a much bigger issue. Can can I have an understanding of of what, uh, of what not having access to it means? Like how many people are we talking about here, and what oh, sort of issue? Very high. Um, Americans. I remember it's it's in the it's in the tens of millions. That um, don't have insurance. Yeah, that aren't insured. Aren't insured, um, but are suffering right now, or aren't well, insured and, and at risk of something. But if they're if they get in a, I mean, if they get injured, they're pretty much fucked. I mean, yeah, the number thirty-one million don't have health insurance. Okay, and of those, how many like have diseases? I need help. I mean, we could. I mean, I guess we could just extrapolate like. Disease among U.S. population. What? Okay, sure. I don't mean like I don't think there's data for specifically people who don't have insurance who are currently sick. Um, Okay, okay, it's it it's fine. So we'll we'll take like a fraction. We'll take like a fraction. Fifty-one point eight percent of American civilians have at least one out of ten selected chronic conditions. Applying that to this number, it's sixteen million. So, like diabetes and stuff like that. Yeah, diabetes or like heart problems or high blood pressure, anything like that. Oh, sure. Um, So, of those people, let's say, let's say we take the homeless and the people that don't that you know have issues with um, obtaining medical insurance, healthcare. And have a disease; those people have a right to go up and down the country and and take property from people as as a means of self defense. Yeah. Have they tried asking for help? I mean, tons of them do. I mean, at this because, point, because let me let me just explain why I'm asking. Uh, there's two ways of getting uh, property if you need it and, and don't have it. One is to take it by force, and the other is is asking. Um, okay, give me a second, because I remember I saw a pretty insane statistic. I mean, okay, I just, I need to do a quick, like, research of something that, because I remember it's, okay, so there are, this is a pretty crazy stat, but about 100,000 people, um, try to get healthcare off of GoFundMe every year. So that's like on its own pretty insane. Um at okay. this I mean like that's a perfect example of like a lot of the times these people are looking out for stuff. And if their campaign doesn't reach then they just don't have the money. You know. Okay. Um I have to admit I'm not totally familiar with the American healthcare system. That's fine. Myself. I, I uh and I don't know the I know it's I know it has a lot of problems, and I know that I also know that hospitals charge very, very high prices. They're very high, yeah. 
but I understand that it's because they expect to charge those high prices from an, an insurance company and not necessarily from an individual who isn't insured. The the way it works is basically we have like copays and deductibles. So like at a certain point, your insurance will pay for it, but usually the the amount of copays are pretty high. Like I don't actually know the um the average for the U.S., but they're usually pretty much like you have to. It has to cost a certain amount of stuff until the insurance company will pay anything. And once it's there, it's only like a percentage. So okay. these, this is just off the top of my head, but it would be like at under a hundred dollars, just theoretically, you have to pay everything out of pocket. Over a hundred dollars, the insurance company will pay, say, thirty percent. That's how it works. Okay. So, but you don't necessarily have to go to a hospital. There are other places that can treat you and don't charge you as much. Is that correct? Yeah. If you mean like charity places and stuff yeah but no i mean like uh either private like direct primary care or like these doctors that are not that don't work at the hospital but are much cheaper i don't know why but are much cheaper i mean yeah they might be less but since we don't really have like nationalized health care there's no there's no way to there's it's always going to cost a pretty penny really like and the thing is, a lot of these times, like, whether it's public or private, like, the only exceptions really are people who are on Medicare or Medicaid, um, either just they're old or they have, you know, chronic health conditions and stuff. And but old people have, have health care. They have, they have public health care, yeah. I see, so, okay. Um, uh, you have to qualify um, yeah like qualifications for um having public health care in america are pretty high um like let me see what exactly you have to you you what have to that, jump through that, a lot of categories before. what uh what is that uh obamacare what you mean uh no medicare and medicaid we we put these in in the um in the 60s as part of the war on poverty obamacare was an expansion of these programs, but it was also putting in an individual mandate for people that weren't covered by them. Okay. Okay. Um, sorry. So back to the back to the thing. I asked if uh, people who are homeless and people who need help for whatever reason, uh, financial help for whatever reason. Um, are there institutions that can help them if they do need help? Can they, specifically people who have issues with uh, health and knowing that the hospitals are very expensive, are there other places in America where you can pay for healthcare that's substantially cheaper? So, for example, I'm aware that for insulin, you can buy insulin at Walmart for $25 a vial. Mm-hmm. Oh, just I, I think you need a prescription, but you can buy it at Walmart, for example. And I know that direct primary care, uh, you can pay a monthly. You can either pay thirty-five dollars for a visit. Uh, they have some generic drugs there that are very uh, inexpensive. Everything is uh, itemized, so you can see the cost of everything before you even go in. So X-ray, for example, is one hundred and twenty dollars. 
MRI, I think, is 400, just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, are there mechanisms to help these people, uh, either through the more free, in quotations, market, or if they do need help and they don't have the resources, can they ask their fellow, fellow man or, or people in the community to, to help them? Or, or charities? There are, yeah, there's charities and there's like mutual aid and stuff. But when it comes to like broader kind of support for people who can't really um, make it, there are, you know, that we, the programs that the government has are very much means tested. So, like, are we talking about welfare? Well, yeah, we're talking about Medicare and Medicaid. Oh, which, yeah, okay, continue. Uh, sorry. Yeah. So, like, you know, you have to qualify either you're in Medicare, which in, in which case you have like you're over 65 or you have like ALS or some disease like that. Um, or you're like a veteran, in which case you're covered by TRICARE and CHAMP. Um, or you're. Well, I think I think I was I think I, I encourage this uh, more technical route. But uh, let's let's uh, dig out okay, of this hole that uh, that we that you that I encourage. But let's uh, go to a more overview now. Okay, yeah, I don't want to like get in the weeds on the specific program. So I'm uh, so is it is it necessarily the case? So there are government programs for some things. Uh, something some people are not covered, and there are. I would assume uh, nonprofits and charities and communities and and you, you mentioned people crowdfund some of these things. Yeah, I think, actually, I think I remember I actually did crowdfund a lady that had breast cancer, um, but she was very late stage. Um, I don't know, five years ago. Uh-huh. But uh, oh, yeah. sorry. No, I I just said like oh okay. Um, but uh, is is that not enough? Uh, For a lot uh, of people, it isn't. I mean, can I, But I, th- when you say a lot of people, I need to get an appreciation of the of the scale. I mean, thirty-one million Americans don't have health care. Right, but we we just discuss some options. To well, yeah, to but I mean. The thing is, all of these options will like allow certain things to get through and won't allow others. And there's always going to be people who slip through the cracks when you don't have like a nationalized system. Because, you know, what if your community doesn't have a center that's more than X or less than X amount of miles, you know, away from your house or something? Like at a certain point, having so many people uninsured. There are some people who are just going to be unlucky enough with their personal circumstances that they're just not going to get health care. And that's what happens when you have that many people who just don't have health insurance. Well, I, I am in a, a country that has nationalized health insurance. And I, I can speak to, to, to that. But um, mm-hmm. so if you, if you have any specific questions, I, I can answer that. But uh, you say you lived in the UK? Yes. Okay. Um, so you're saying I mean, some, I, people, I some, some people slip through the cracks. They, ha- they have asked for help. It wasn't enough. Or they couldn't have access to help. And they're just in their situation and there's, there's nothing they can do. In our system or in ours? In yours. Okay, yeah, I agree. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, it was I more, think... of a, more of a question, sorry. 
do I think that's the case? Yeah. Um, and you think that's the case a, for, for a well, there's there's studies on it. I mean, there's a famous study by uh, Harvard that they published around when a little bit after the ACA uh, was instituted, um, which found that basically um, 45,000 Americans die each year, which is which can be attributed to a lack of health care. Like they died from preventable stuff that would have been treatable and fixable had they had the health care that they need. And so, yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll... That's, a, that's a very difficult thing to, to determine. Uh... It is. I mean, you have to, but I mean, there's kind of, you have to, you know, kind of look at why. And Can, can I add, though, that I, I'm aware that in 2013, um, the number, the amount of money that contributed to, to charities in total was slightly under 400 billion. Mm -hmm. So I would like to, and that's, you know, obviously after people paid their taxes and everything. Oh, actually, yeah, you, you guys do it differently. So yeah, people, people donated yeah. after their income, or I guess they deducted from their taxes and about slightly less than 400 billion uh, were donated to, to charities. And, I'm, and, I, and I'd like to think that both in the case of healthcare and in other uh, needs, that that money, that charity money, which I would also add, uh, those charities, from for my understanding, are, are much much more efficient with that money than the government is. Like several several times more efficient. Yeah, I I I, I agree. Um, I think the reason for that might not be so much that the government is bad, and more just that the amount of like um just different like competing programs and different interests in the government and just the way we have our healthcare set up makes it so that it is just horrendously inefficient because you know we have it so that we have so many systems you know we have one healthcare bureau for senior citizens we have one healthcare bureau for active members of the armed forces we have one for veterans one for people below the poverty line. Like we have so many different agencies for healthcare. We don't have like one. So I think there's a lot of bureaucracy and waste that would be trimmed out pretty effectively. If there wasn't if, if there was a health national health service. If there was a national health service and it wasn't and it and it was consolidated and it wasn't in four different national agencies as well as a whole litany of private ones. Okay, so let's let's agree that the system right now is very inefficient mm -hmm. uh, yeah specifically mm -hmm. healthcare and people fall through the fall through the cracks i'm not gonna disagree on that uh there are like systems that help a lot of these people i would like to think and there are backup systems that help a lot of these people but i i can accept that some people uh still manage to fall through the last or the last crack um, but with regards to like overall in society, should we not have property rights in general? Because you know, if if you have property rights, uh, you can you know pursue a job, you can make money, and from the money that you make, you can say, well, I have a family member that is struggling and needs some help. I have people in my community that I see. 
are struggling and need some help. I, I saw on the television someone struggling and they need some help. And using the money that you've earned, you could donate some of that to help those people. Is that not a more uh, a better system, a more volunteer based system? I don't system? think so because I think people deserve... I think people deserve to be certain that they will get what they need. I don't and, think... And how can you guarantee that certainty exactly? Well, I don't think you should just rely on charity of the rich. Like, I think that's a recipe for pretty much disaster because you're basically just relying on people to be kind. And history shows us that humans are not nice. Like, they're just not nice people in general. Um, well, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not sure what, based on what you're saying, that I, I do think people... Humans, from my reading of history... Just yeah. all, all of what I've looked at between all just the wars and conquests, I don't think humans are very fundamentally good. So I think that letting them decide who lives and who dies out of the goodness of their heart by whether or not they're going to contribute to a charity, I don't think that's a great move. Okay, so I, I would say that... Sorry, so your alternative is like the government taxes them and, and, and helps these people out. Yeah, I mean, or is, or is the alternative to strip all rich people's money and give it to the poor? What what is uh, both? I mean, you could, I I'm, I mean, I I prefer the government one, but I don't think they have a right to their money. I mean, especially when it could be used for so much better things, like especially when you're talking about like Tesla. Like the world doesn't need space travel. The world doesn't need that kind of stuff. The world needs like food. I mean, so okay, you, so yeah, so um, with regards to the government, we've already agreed that they're not they're not necessarily able to prevent all people from uh, uh, they can't they can't guarantee anything necessarily. They they can try and tax people. In all cases, whatever system they implement will be extremely inefficient, and I would say that because they have a, a very bad set of incentives where compared to people in the market or even non-profits in the market they'll have much better incentives mm -hmm. um, so there isn't a guarantee either way and if for example a rich person says like a rich person they only interact with the government if the government wants to tax them heavily and they say screw this I'm leaving the country the, the government or screw this I'm taking my business to another country mm -hmm. they don't have the revenues uh, to, to guarantee helping those people with regards to uh, stripping uh, property from rich people outright, you know they can they can move again. They can move their property before they see it coming, uh, and you won't have access to it. Or sure. or once you strip them of their property, they that's a one-time event, and they won't generate that a second a second time or next year, um, and. It may be the case, and I would argue that the people who would then take over the property and and try to generate that uh, productivity or, or or the the production of goods won't succeed, and as a result, the whole of society will suffer. So I would say it's better to ask those people. But let me just add stipulate here: I think when it comes to charities, I'm sure that like the the top 10%, 10% 10, 10 is, is a wide net. The one, you're thinking of the 0 0.1. Mm -hmm. 
or 0.001%. A 10% is still like oh, a wide... Like Sorry? You mean like as, as a block that it's not so much like the 1% or the super rich ones, but more like the 0.01? Is that what you were saying? Well, uh, e Elon I Musk, for example, is one person out of 328 million. A lot of the people who, who contribute to charity are, oh, are middle, middle class and above a few dollars obviously like people with more money that are more philanthropic would do would be able to contribute more of a share and in regards to taxes that are collected it, it's the same thing like the um the top uh 20 percent of income owners basically are, are all the one that contribute to to taxes so 70 percent come from from collectible taxes come from them mm -hmm. um so I would assume it would be the same way for, for charities. And also, take a look at it from this, from this angle. If you, if you want to have a society that has a, that has a community in it, if you give people the opportunity to donate to a charity and see, or, do, or give money to people directly and see that they are helping out and there's a connection there, then you necessarily kind of like form a community. Like I contributed here. I'm a rich person and I donated the park and this is my town, my, like I belong here. These are, these are the people I want to be with. But if you take it away from them violently, they don't feel that. If, you, if the government takes it away from them and builds the park instead of them, they don't feel that. Here's so, what I think has always been like my i think a fundamental issue with the charity kind of mindset okay which is that um charity is you know is supposed to help the people but it's fundamentally kind of an authoritarian system if you really look at it because the people with the money choose what charities their money goes to so there's the you know the famous example and i talk about and i'll mention this like one of the people who originated like talking about philanthropy as such a moral good was Andrew Carnegie. And, you know, he donated all the money to make Carnegie Hall because he thought the people of New York needed like a beautiful opera hall. But he didn't ask the people of New York what they wanted. He decided for them. So I think it's fundamentally authoritarian to a certain degree. Well, can you say that you know, then you can say that markets are fundamentally authoritarian as well because people want certain things in the market for themselves or people, or people only offer certain things in the market and they didn't ask anyone. They're just hoping people will take it. Well, I think there's a difference, which is that when there's... It, it, would, I would, it would be one thing if it had been... Like, I think there's a difference between saying, I want to spend this money on myself. I think that's it's not so much authoritarian really because it's only you know it concerns yourself directly others secondarily but really directly just yourself but i think to say this is what i want my money to go to and this is what i want to affect in the world especially if you're doing it on behalf of a group of people like say if you're donating um to create something in a city like new york i think it's a bit authoritarian to say I want this because it would be good for this city, but not asking the people in that city 
whether they'd want it themselves. I think you're treating yourself as like kind of like the benevolent dictator. And just I want to say, um, I can only stay on for like 10 more minutes. So just we can. Wrap that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so <sighs> I'm not exactly convinced that governments do this any better. Um, I don't think they do. No. I, I think that um, I would actually say, and even if you give me like bad examples here and there, but overall, I would say that people help people better than governments helping people. So I would say that people identify issues in their community, if, even in the case of Carnegie Hall, I mean, even if you give, or even, or let's say people contribute to a, uh, I don't know, museum. Those same people who contribute to museums, they also have this like lavish um, kind of like parties where each plate costs like a few thousand dollars and each one of those goes to the homeless. Like they, they don't have a, they, they donate here and they donate there. Um, but I would say that um, in general, like excluding these extreme examples, I would say that people help people better. I would say that if uh, I knew that someone in my area had a child and they were lacking clothes i can donate some of my my old kids clothes to them i can help them out and no one asked me to do that and i i, I identified where there's a problem in my community and i volunteered not without even anyone asking me i said i would like to help and would you like to accept my help and if they say yes i'll i'll donate some of my old stuff uh, in good condition, mind you. Uh, my kids are stuff to, to that, uh, let's say, lady. So I, I would say that on the whole, people know how to help people much better than governments do. The governments, you know, they have, perhaps have access to more resources because they forcefully take it from people. But if, if I had, if I were not, had kept my resources, I could... I could reach that stage of enough. Let's say I, I, have in, I have enough and now I'm looking for like more broad things about how to help my community should I choose to. I would reach, reach that stage of enough much faster and start, you know, well, I, I have this money, I'm okay now. I mean, I've saved some for later, but if I want to like help some people do some more things that, that align with my values and how I think there's an issue in my community, then I, I think that would be better. I, I don't necessarily accept the authoritarian and i and i i'd like to say you're very much laser focused on a handful of people not the the overall community or society what do you mean by by like focusing on billionaires you mean that Specific, i'm focused yes i i would say so well i think that's because billionaires have a level of wealth that is pretty disproportionate from everyone else to the extent that just single person could like seriously change the amount of money that was in society. Like, I mean, the net worths of, you know, Musk and Bezos and Zuckerberg mm -hmm. are like double or triple what even some of our American departments are, you know, their budgets. So well, I think uh, bear in mind that your government, your government's budget well, not even budget, your government spend, I don't know if it was this year or last year, was $6.6 .6 And uh, even if you get all the billionaires in a row, 
at best, at best, you'll pay for eight months of the year. Uh, and strip them oh. of all the wealth, like permanently and kick them out of the country or, or I don't know, put them through a guillotine or whatever the intention was. I don't uh, want a guillotine. Well, I'm oh, just, man. you know, comparing to a certain time in history. Uh, and, I, and I would add this. I would add that, look, um, the people that have these, these money, especially the new ones coming up, like uh, Bezos didn't, didn't get like his money inherited to him. Uh, sure. These are people that built up businesses. They have, they typically have like a, a share in the businesses that they created, and these businesses are helping people typically globally. That's why the companies are worth so much, not just America. And they help other people live a better life, pursue their own happiness, and people are are happy to pay them for, for this. They're happy to pay the rich for um for these luxuries, is what you're saying. Or like oh, well, it- Amazon, Amazon, you know, sells pretty cheap things. Tesla sells electric cars, which, as far as I recall, people are very concerned about the environment, and they also like those cars. And well, yeah, they- and the irony is with electric cars is in America, most mm-hmm. of our electricity comes from the coal grid. So these these like yuppies with Teslas really aren't as environmentally friendly as they think they are. Well, you guys, are, you guys are very concerned about the environment. And Elon Musk is taking a very proactive, market-based approach that is helping a lot of people. Now, if you're saying the, the electricity from the grid is from coal, nothing's stopping you guys from building nuclear power plants. And uh, going CO2 neutral. I agree. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pro-nuclear power, honestly. And, um, and once, once you have that nuclear power, those cars will feed off that straight away. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think, you know, maybe, you know, you could say that electric cars have been a benefit. But I mean, but the other thing is, too, when you're talking about those cars, is that the manufacturing involved to get a lot of that stuff really isn't you know, as, um, as environmentally friendly as, you know, it is at all. Like, for example, uh, like a Toyota Prius, which is considered like a super, you know, good for the environment car. In terms of the actual, you know, mineral cost of mining all the stuff they need for the batteries, it's, pr- it's worse for the environment than like a Land Rover Discovery. Well, so, uh, I mean, so I don't sure, really think- I, I, I can go down this, but I don't, I, I don't know. I think these kind of maybe I think these kind of skeptical like ac- actually kind of studies it's not as good as some I'm I'm not entirely convinced uh, I accept that you know uh, car, uh the, sorry batteries need uh, rare earth minerals and they're very difficult to dispose of and I hope that you know batteries become better over time certainly in the case of the Prius which I own one by the way um like you, you recharge your battery. It's it's you put fuel in the car, but you recharge your battery, and sometimes it goes on electric, and it saves you. It like extends the use of your fuel much more. So in that sense, it it's fine. Um, but I would I would say that I forgot what I was. I would say that um, in, in the case of Amazon, I don't I don't really went into, but uh, during the lockdowns, I was quite dependent on them. Like I was. I really needed certain things. I was actually struggling at the start of the lockdowns. I was struggling to get food. I don't think that was, I got some food with Amazon, but a lot of the stuff um, 
that I needed throughout the time in lockdown were provided by Amazon and literally like 24 hours after I ordered it, mm-hmm. it arrived. So that was, considering we couldn't go out, that was super helpful. Yeah, I mean, Amazon definitely provides a service that a lot of people need, but I think, and I, you know, maybe we could go into closing statements after this, but I guess you should, you could just respond to this, but that Amazon in America specifically, one of the reasons that it's filled such a big role in the distribution network is because of big cuts that we've had to our post office. So, and our postal service. So that's part of it that, you know, during kind of the austerity pushed by the GOP, a lot of the, um, a lot of the budget for the post office has really been slashed. So Amazon's kind of stepped in as a private company to take advantage of, you know, a weak um, governmental structure. It'd be kind of like if the fire department got a ton of cuts and there started being like private fire department. It's like, you could say they're a success, but it's mainly just because our own government doesn't really invest that well in our government programs. Well, I, I wouldn't expect it though, I suppose. It's, uh, it's the government after all. I, I, love, I love it how, uh, I, think, <laughs> I think I was once traveling on a train through like uh, commuting from, from London to where I am and and I, I there was always like a big building outside, and I know it was a government building. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it, but it was because it was quite dreary. But it was a government building, and I was thinking to myself, it's very strange how how government kind of uh, does things versus the private sector. Like you, the government would pay for like a big building to be made more or less upfront, but obviously like over time they'll pay they'll pay some, and then over time, but they'll they'll kind of require the taxpayer to pay a lot of it more or less upfront. And then uh, it will take a long time for them to, to get set up. It, there'll, there'll be delays. And then after a long time, they'll offer you like a service. You've paid for it the whole time. You're, you're a taxpayer. They offer some kind of service, which is very, very mediocre. Whereas if it's, if it's the private sector, like they'll get their own, their own investors. They won't involve the public typically with anything. They'll get everything up and running. They're taking all the risk. And then they'll offer you like a, the same product at like, 20% of the price and uh, and you pay them and then like they'll they'll kind of calculate they'll get back their investment over like 10 or 20 years or something which is fine you know I don't mind but it's just like um, in terms of like the taxpayers you get much more benefit uh, from these private companies but yeah we can um, we can go into closing statements you you want to go you want me to go I'll, I'll give you the choice Aiden, you're muted. I'll do it. Okay, uh, 409, please continue your final statement. Yeah, that's fine. Um, So basically what I think is that stealing is not a moral crime in the sense that as an idea, it's something really kind of divorced from material circumstances. You know, as a materialist myself, I don't think someone's actions can be divorced from the culture that created them. And I don't think that for stealing either. So I don't think it's productive to condemn people for it. And I also think in many cases it can be justifiable because the amount of poverty in our current society 
is pretty comparable to violence and as such rebelling against the avatars of that society is fairly clearly a form of self-defense that's basically my statement okay i'll do my thing i'll do my closing statements you can stay or leave uh, it's up to you no, okay so i i do think that property rights are very important to society i i accept you know that there are people who need help uh, but i think that first you have to set like a, a very strong set of principles that guide society, the ones that uh, protect individual rights, the one that help people uh, um, live their best life, their full life, pursue their own happiness, typically are the ones that will lead to a flourishing society. The small percentage of people that uh, are unable for no fault of their own to, to obtain resources and and have a better life um, can just ask uh, people to to help them and in our society i do believe strongly that they will get this help considering that if it was more of a individualist liberal society uh, we'll have a very a much higher degree of wealth that we're able to then uh, share with people who we feel or help people that we feel uh need this help and and live to our val and live to our values so i don't think that adding an influence where stealing is okay or the material conditions make it that way i i feel that we need to have a strong set of principle we need to achieve a high degree of wealth as much as possible of productivity of wealth of a good life and again those who cannot uh, obtain that or are struggling through no fault of their own can just ask for help and I believe they will receive it much more efficiently and much more um, swiftly than the government does that is thank you very much uh, 409 for uh, doing this debate hope to do hope to do one in the future I'll uh, I'll see you go walk your dog okay see you bye bye